So several years ago, um, was doing some work in my house. It was the summer and needed some summer projects. And so we were doing some work and I was rewiring something. I was basically installing a TV and moving that and moving the wires and stuff like that. So I was up in the attic for several weeks running wires, electricity and cable and all that kind of stuff. And I had gotten really used to being up in the attic and walking in the attic. I mean, I was like a cat. I mean, I was just going from, from beam to beam, back and forth, coming down, checking things, going back up, beam for beam. Everything went great with that. Got it installed, had not really done a whole lot of electrical work, did the electrical work, realized the house is not going to uh, burn down. I have done this correctly. And I'm up there in the attic celebrating my work. It's final. Kyla flips on the light. Everything works great. Plugs in the TV. It's working great. I'm headed down. My last journey down from the attic. And as I'm walking through to the door that comes into the, into the house, I slipped and found myself hanging in my kitchen. Came straight through the sheetrock, the drywall, and caught myself, uh, it was 10-foot ceiling, caught myself before hitting uh, the kitchen counter, sitting there hanging. And, of course, it's a big commotion. The kids come in. They immediately start laughing. Kyla does care. And she says, are you okay? I'm fine. And so forth. So done all that work. Well, it's also the kind of season where football's coming on every Saturday. Hunting season's around the corner. And I've got this massive hole the size of Robert Welch in my kitchen. And had no idea. I mean, I still to this day don't know how to do, how to fix that. Um, call a few people. They, they, they know how to. They, they say, oh, we'll do it for this much. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to spend that kind of money right now on that because it's a big deal. And you got to paint the whole ceiling of the whole house and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not ready to do that. So football's going on. And over the next several weeks, I just, I just kind of move on. I mean, I got things to do on Saturday. I got football games to watch. I got hunting to get ready for and all that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, you know, if, if you, if, if you just let it sit, you don't notice it as much. So we did life with this massive hole in our kitchen for well, what was a week turned into weeks, what was a weeks turned into months, and so forth. And then as we were nearing the Christmas season, we start wanting to have some people over. And so I go ahead and take the initiative, invite some people over for some things, and tell Kyla, hey, so-and-so's coming over on Saturday night. Saturday night. And she says, excuse me? yeah we host people we have people over there are friends and she says Robert what about the hole what hole <laughs> and and by the way we're having family over at Christmas we've got to take care of the hole what hole are you talking about the one in our kitchen had been there for so long had gotten so used to I totally forgot it was there also didn't realize that as that hole set there, our electricity bill was skyrocketing every month because if it was hot, there was cool air going in the attic. If it was cold, there was hot air going in the attic. It was just sucking all that air up, and our system was running this entire time. What was a problem that's about 36 inches around turned into a much greater problem and a problem that we had started to not notice. You know, we have a tendency to do things like that when there is an issue and when there's a problem and we don't address it as time goes by, we notice the problem less and less. We get more accustomed to the problem, we get more used to the problem, and we don't realize the problem is there. We may notice it from time to time, but over time as that problem sits unanswered, undealt with, 
it does create other issues. It gets bigger and bigger. It's that way with about any problem in our life, and it's certainly been that way with a massive problem that we have in our country and in our community. About 50 years ago, it became illegal to abort a child before birth. And over that time, this problem has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And as we've continued to experience many other problems and there's many other things going on in this world, we've gotten more accustomed and used to the reality of that problem to where we almost don't even notice it. That's a problem here in our own community. And that problem has gotten so large and so big. Did you know that less than three miles away from where you're sitting is the most busy, largest abortion center in the southeast? Every day in our country, there are over 3,000 children aborted daily. For every 1,000 children born, about 185 children are aborted. That's nearly two in ten. One in five children never gets a chance at life. It's a massive problem. And it's a problem that creates many other problems, many other issues that begin to fall through the hole and begin to uh, be dealt with a a great deal. Those that are walking through that, uh, the moms, the dads that are involved in those. It's, It's not something you just walk away from and do. It's a heavy and serious issue, massive. And I know there's many, many issues in our society and culture. Over the past 50 years, over 60 million children on United States soil have died before getting to step foot on this soil. And it matters. And it's a problem that this week, as we adopt this week, and that this morning, I want to draw your attention to of why it matters. And it matters first because of this. Because life matters to God. Lives matter to God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the very first chapter of the entire Bible, God creates man, it tells us this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Human life Matters And it matters because we are created in the image of God. We are unlike every other creature in this world. God makes us unique. He makes us in his image. And in making us, he makes each one of us individually unique. There's no one like you. You are one of a kind. And every human being is made that way in the image of God. There is value to human life because we are different. And life matters. All lives matter. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Gay lives matter. Heterosexual lives matter. Rich lives matter. Poor lives matter. Tall lives matter. Short lives matter. All life matters because all life is made in the image of God 
Psalm writer says in Psalm 8, verse 5, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Human life is special. As much as you love your dog, God loves you more than your dog. Your life is special. Human life matters so much that the Lord says things like this in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Because life matters, we must care about it, defend it, protect it, and do justice by it. To take, to treat a human life with disregard to the fact that it is made in the image of God is wrong. To treat a human life in any way unjustly. To hate a human life. To murder a human life. It is wrong, it is sin, and it is a problem before God. The Lord says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And in that list, he says, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Why? Because human life matters. Human life matters. And the second thing I want you to do, understand why this is important is because human life, the scripture teaches, begins at the moment of conception. Human life matters because human life is made in the image of God, but it is also a unique creation of God. We're told this in, in Psalm. David tells us this in Psalm 139, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, yet as when there none of them were yet. The Lord tells us in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Job asked the question and says this statement in verse 30, chapter 31 of Job, verse 15. Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? And then the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 12, thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, will help you. Fear not. You see, life is made in the image of God. Human life is made in the image of, uh, in the image of God. But human life is created by God in the womb. At the moment of conception, God begins to create you. A creation that has been thought up far before that moment ever happened. He sovereignly oversees that. You are unique because God made you unique. Why are you so short? Why are you so tall? Why is your nose that big? Why are you that shape? Because God made you that and he began making you that way in the womb. Your life began at that moment as God began shaping you and making you and 
and crafting you in the intricacy and in the privacy of that place. And it matters at that moment. A life at that moment is just as much as a life at any moment at all. Just because you cannot see it and touch it doesn't mean it's not life. You know, we're in the midst of this quarantine, in the midst of COVID, and we haven't been able to see you nor touch you because you've been quarantined. Some of you are still online with us, and we can't see you nor touch you. Does that mean you don't matter? Of course not. matters so because of that this hole in the wall matters to us because life is made by God human life matters human life begins at conception and I want to I want to share something else with you that scripture teaches like Jesus tells us this children are a blessing we're told this in in Psalm 127 verse 3 behold children are heritage from the Lord The fruit of the womb is a reward. And then Jesus tells us this in John 16, verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remains, remembers the anguish. Because listen to what Jesus says. "For, For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Children are a blessing. They are. They don't always feel that way. For those of you that have children, you know exactly what I mean. My children are a blessing. But you, can you believe it? They don't always act like a blessing. They don't always feel like a blessing. There's been many hours and many, I'm not going to compare, but there could be more moments in their life that they've been not so much of a blessing as much as they were the apple of my eye. That doesn't disregard the fact that they are a blessing. And a child's a blessing. Whether it's planned, whether it's convenient, whether we're ready for it or not, it's a life. It's a life that God created, not just a man and a woman. God made the life. And he calls that life a blessing. Human lives matter to God. And because they matter, we as God's people cannot ignore the problem, the whole. And we must seek justice for human life. However small or however long or big. Or old, because human life matters to God. This matter of abortion is right here in our community. And this week, we want to draw our attention to the hole in the wall. There's a lot of things that we can argue about. There's a lot of things we could talk to about. And there are a lot of things that we as a church should care about. But this is an issue that that we need to care about. And so as a church family this week, we are going to focus 
on this issue and what we can do about it to actually work to fix the hole. You know, there's several things that all of us can do. Every single one of us can do. We don't have to sit by and just say it's a bad thing. All of us can vote. We live in an incredible country that gives us the freedom and the right to vote and to get involved in that process. Men and women have sacrificed and have died to give you that right. And over the next several weeks, you ought to take advantage of that. You ought to honor their sacrifice by participating in a place. Because let me tell you something, there are hundreds of countries across this world that would love that right. That would love the chance to vote on what they believe and what they hold dear to. We can vote. We can get involved in that process. Let me tell you something else you can do with this pandemic, with this issue, with, with abortion, is you can help. Every single one of us can do something to stand in that gap, whether it be support an organization that stands on the front lines to work with moms and dads in the midst of they're not sure what to do, to walk through healing and help for those that have walked through it, to bring up awareness about it. Or we can come alongside a family that will step into areas and arenas like adoption or foster care and provide support and encouragement and help in that way. Or we can go further and put our family on the line and our life on the line and step in those gaps. Every single one of us can do something to help. Say another thing we can do and that you can do is pray. Because God can do far more than anything we can do. God has the ability and the power to change hearts. That's one of the things I love about Love Life, this organization that we're partnering with this week and working with, is because they focus on this powerful element and standing in the gap and getting in this way. And God uses it greatly. I want you to see how God uses it. Watch this video. I had a dream that my mom told me that um, my cousin was pregnant. And as Hispanics, we think dreams always have a meaning or there's something behind it or something like that. So she went to the dollar store and she got a pregnancy test. And later that night, I think it was that night or the next day where I took it and it came out positive. And that's when we told Jordan. And every day just got harder. And so I was just like, what am I gonna do? Like. You know, baby's a lot of responsibility. I'm not at high school. And so like, just everything I was already feeling alone, I felt more alone, because I didn't have like a lot of support. And I just felt like maybe it's the best choice, you know, I can't give him a good life or something. Like, like what if I'm not a good mom? Or I don't know. Very hard. And then so I made the appointment and I went. It was it was very scary. <laughs> and I just ran out and I just remember I got in my car and I was just like, Mom, I can't do this. Angela made me feel like I wasn't just with some screaming lady outside of an abortion clinic. Like she made me feel like I was with a friend. I didn't feel like 
I had to like be fake around her or act more mature than I had to because I was just like, oh, I'm friends with an older, like with a mom. <laughs> and she didn't make me feel like that. She made me feel like she was just like any of my friends. And that was something that meant a lot to me. I remember I was laying down with my hands up and I like to have my feet up every time I watch movies. So I just like to lay with my hands up and my feet up. And then as we were watching the ultrasound, all you see is him go like this and his feet were up. And I was just like, that is like, how could I have ever thought of not wanting something so beautiful and mine? Honestly, I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for all the help that I got. Not a lot of people get that, but I'm blessed to say that I did. And I just hope there's more people out there like them to help those women that don't know what to do so they could have that type of, they could gain that confidence like, and not feel like they're completely alone. I know I'm not gonna be a perfect mom, but I'm gonna be the best mom that I can be. I just can't wait till I have that moment where I'm just like, he was, he's worth it and he was worth all of it. And I'm just very excited to meet him. Well, I'll tell you, Nicole had stepped through the ceiling and was hanging by those beams. And by God's grace, Love Life came alongside her. And since 2010, over 5,100 Nicoles have chosen life. And we come alongside them, and it's one thing to be against abortion, but it's another thing to be for life. We have over 300 mentor families that come alongside these mothers when they choose life, and we go to prenatal visits with them. We throw baby showers for them. We handle any of the expenses if they need some things. We handle all of it, so it's, all the, it's a holistic, comprehensive approach to life. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of moms that have fallen through. And they're hurt and they're broken. And we ask ourselves, well, what are we supposed to do as believers? What is it supposed to look like? And it's interesting, you know, Pastor, you said you were hanging. And I, I just, I'm dying to know, how did you get down? You fell? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you're sitting there hanging. I can't imagine a tent hanging from 10 feet. But here's Nicole hanging, and we came alongside her and all these other mothers Thank God for what God is doing with life. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm in real estate. I have a twin brother. His name's Jason. We started a real estate company years ago. Maybe I'll tell you a little bit of my story, uh, but I'm not here for me. I'm here to talk about love life, but we're in real estate. I flipped a lot of houses, and, uh, and I you know, have remodeled a ton of homes. And you know, when there's a hole in the wall, there have been times where I have just taken a frame and just set it right over the hole because I don't want to have to fix it. I'm not good with my hands. You know, I don't want to have to go and get messy. And, you know, once you have to get into the drywall and all the dust and all that stuff is really messy. Now, you're looking up at a ceiling. That's a mess. Now, imagine if someone were to come to you and say, hey, man, listen, I specialize in fixing drywall, and I'll fix that hole in your ceiling for free. I'll do it for nothing. Wouldn't that be nice? Heck, yeah, that would be nice. That would be amazing. Now, he says, but listen, 
it's going to get a little messy. It's going to be a little inconvenient. I'm going to have to come in. I'm going to bring a crew. We're going to cut out a big patch. We're going to screw up some more drywall. Then we're going to, we're going to tape it. We're going to mud it. We're going to sand it. We're going to do that three times, and it's going to get a little bit messy. But it's going to get fixed. Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a father of five children. I have a 21-year-old boy. I have a 19-year-old boy. Both of those are in college. I have a turning 17-year-old daughter. I have a 15-year-old daughter, and then I have a 10-year-old little boy. I've been in the birthing room, or whatever they call it, the hospital, when all this, all my kids were born. And the most amazing things is I cried uncontrollably. It's the only time in my life outside of my mother's funeral where I cried uncontrollably. Like I, I couldn't stop it. I was so excited about the life that was there. But let me tell you, it was messy. I mean, I can remember just sitting over against the wall, like, what? and my wife's like, honey, hold my hand. And I'm like, I'm holding your hand. I could barely handle it. It was just messy. But listen, when life comes, if we love life as the church, we got to be willing to get messy. And so many of us in the church today, we just don't want to get messy. I know, I know the feeling. It's the same with me. And so we see this hole in the ceiling in our nation called abortion, and we ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do? Well, the Lord outlines in Scripture exactly what we're supposed to do. And Love Life is here to say, hey, guess what? We can fix the hole in the ceiling. It's the Lord that's doing it through this organization. We'll fix the hole in the ceiling. It won't cost you a dime. But it will make you get a little bit messy. Why? Because we're going to call you to action. Now, I'll tell you, in the church today, it's easy to consume. And I tell businesses that I consult, I say, listen, we can consume all day. You can consume podcasts. You can consume teaching. You can consume all these entrepreneurial Instagram accounts. You can consume, consume, consume. But until you take that consumption and turn it into production, your life doesn't change. The lives in the city are not going to change if we just consume in our churches. And it's so easy for us to sit and consume. And if we did that with our health, can you imagine if all you did was consume but you never exercised? Never got your heart rate up? That's when you start having problems later in life. And so we want to produce. We don't want to just consume. And so the Lord shows us exactly what fixing this hole looks like. And then how we don't just consume the teaching of Jesus, but then at the end of his teaching, he says, go and do likewise. And that's in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the good neighbor, the good Samaritan. And at the end, oh, hey, by the way, good seeing you, bro. Liberty University. We went to Liberty together. Anyway, so here we are. I, sorry, that was my squirrel moment, like my little squirrel moment. But in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is teaching, and he's asked, what are the greatest commandments? And what does he say? Love God and love others, right? Loving God is the vertical commitment. Loving others is the horizontal commitment. It's the shape of the cross. It's just that simple. You can't really love others if you're not committed to God. And when we look at what's happening in our streets, if we really want to love other people, you cannot do it apart from God. You don't attach yourself to godless organizations and somehow say, I'm loving other people. It's wrong. It's wrong. And us as Christians, we say, how can we truly love each other? How can we truly love other people? How can we truly love those that are falling through the ditch or the, uh, the, the hole in the wall, hole in the ceiling? How can we love them well? And the Lord then says, okay. He gives him a story. Here's how you love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, a man, a Jewish man, was robbed, beaten, and left for dead. So he fell into the hands of robbers. And how many of you know when robbing, killing, and destroying is running rampant in the streets, how many of you know the father of that is the devil? 
is not God. It's not people that are, you know, seeking healing and restoration. It is Satan himself that comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And so this man was robbed, beaten, and left for dead in a ditch. And who walked by? It says the very first person that walked by. Does anybody remember? Say it out loud. A priest. That's right, a minister of God. Now the priest walks by on the other side of the street. Now think about that. Did he know Scripture? Now, in the Old Testament, I mean, this was the Septuagint, the first five books. Then you had the prophetic books, the major and the minor prophets. Did he know the Scriptures? You better believe it. But he walks by on the other side. Now, maybe, let's give this dude the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he walked by on the other side of the street and went and preached a great sermon on the man in the ditch. Maybe he had a phenomenal teaching on the man in the ditch. Or maybe he got on Instagram, did a little selfie video about the man in the ditch. But he was still on the other side of the road. He did not get into the ditch. And then a Levite comes. Now, this Levite was also a minister of God. He was a servant in the house of God. And where did he walk by? The other side of the street. He wasn't going to get down in the ditch, but maybe that Levite prayed a great prayer about the man in the ditch. Maybe he sang a great song about the man in the ditch or wrote a poem about the man in the ditch. Now listen, singing, preaching, teaching, praying, those all have their place. Just like putting a piece of drywall up, screwing it in, putting the tape along the joints, mudding it, sanding it, everything has its place. But you still have to do it holistically. You don't only do part of it. And so this Levite over here, maybe he also came up with a great idea. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to gather with the leaders in the city, and I'm, we're going to all write uh, on poster board, and we're going to call it Sanctity of Man in the Ditch Sunday. No, actually Saturday. And we're going to go, and we're going to stand across the street and hold up signs about the man in the ditch one hour, and then we're going to go eat. Now listen, I'm all for Sanctity of Life Sunday. I participate in every single one of them. But that is not the ultimate solution. What was the ultimate solution that Jesus gave us? It was a Samaritan. Now hold on. Jews, Samaritans, you talk about race wars. They hated each other. And Jesus says, look at this Samaritan. He's coming and he's on a journey, it says. He was on a journey and he stops his journey. Now listen, I have traveled a lot of miles on the road just like all of you have. And how many of you, you get in the car, you're packed up and you're headed on a trip and you see someone broke down and you're like, oh Lord, send someone to help them. And you just keep right on rolling. I do that all the time. I am a sinner. My brother's worse, but I am a sinner. Because I don't want to get sweaty. I don't want to mess. I don't want. But this dude inconveniences himself and he looks and he sees the man in the ditch. And do you know what Jesus says? The first reaction that came over him. Do you know what he was filled with? Anybody know? The word starts with a C and ends with compassion. Compassion. Now, listen, righteous indignation has a place in our hearts. The Lord wants us to be righteously angry about unrighteousness but it has to filter through compassion. If we're not compassionate about the person that is robbed, beaten, and left for dead, including the robbers and the thieves and the destroyers, if we're not compassionate, then we cannot truly have biblical action. He was filled with compassion, but his compassion led to action. And what were those action steps? He got down off his horse. He got down into the ditch. It says he put 
oil on his wounds, put oil on the wounds. Then he bandaged the wounds. He stopped the bleeding. You know, these mothers, they're bleeding. They need help. The relationships are broken. Do you know over 87% of the mothers that get an abortion say that if the father would take responsibility, I would not make this choice? It's the breakdown of the family. It's the breakdown of the true responsibility of a man, true biblical manhood. Why have men lost authority in the culture today? Because we've forsaken our responsibility. We've not been responsible as men to lay our lives down, to be servant leaders. And when we are servant leaders and we have to do the hard things and we submit ourselves to God, especially our intimacy desires, we submit those to God, then we have supernatural authority. We can have that when we submit it to God. And so these mothers, these poor moms are here. And it's not just unborn babies in the ditch of society. It's these mothers and it's so many folks. And then this guy bandages the wound. Then he puts him on his horse, takes him to an inn. And he says, whatever he needs, charge it to my account. In other words, it's holistic. This is a holistic approach. So I want to pause for a second, give you a little bit of my story and kind of wrap this up on how love life comes into play, and then what you can do today to patch this hole in the ceiling, to step into the ditch to bring some healing. Actually, that was pretty cool. I didn't even mean that. That's, that's the he- ceiling healing. Okay, so here I was, Jason and I. I've got a twin brother. We grew up in Dallas, Texas. Our dad was a pastor, and he told us, boys, if your theology is not your biography, your theology is worthless. In other words, if what you think about God does not translate into the way you act for God, then your theology is worthless. And so to prove that to us, he put his church office next to the busiest abortion facility in Dallas. He did not know that Norma McCorvey, who's the Roe, v. Roe of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court case, worked there. Well, Miss Jane Rowe or Miss Norma came and had dinner at our house after about six months. And um, her lesbian partner, Connie, came. And here we were. I was a young teenage kid. Me and my brother were eating dinner with Norma McCorvey and her lesbian partner, Connie. And I'll just never forget the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My dad sharing the gospel because he had been sharing the gospel. And and then I'll never forget. Norma gave her heart to Christ a few months later, but I'll never forget Miss Connie when the, the words of the gospel, my dad reading the scripture to her. You know, and if you think about Acts chapter 3, verse 19, the, the New Testament church, this was the gospel. Therefore, repent and return that times of refreshing, or no, excuse me, that your sins may be wiped away. So repent and return that your sins may be wiped away. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many of you know we need that in America today? How many of you know that there's an agenda to distort what sin truly even is so that times of refreshing will not come? And so I watched Miss Connie, just her chin start quivering, her tears. We ran to Walmart, got a blow-up swimming pool. My dad baptized Miss Connie. It was an amazing thing. Then we got a U-Haul trailer and moved her out of Norma's house. Anyway, so we watch all of this. And so our family just got thrust into this whole pro-life. These are pro-life activists. I don't even believe in pro-life activism. I believe in biblical Christianity. Jesus said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. He never said, give to Caesar what is God's. And we just heard Pastor Robert up here say that life begins at conception, that God is the author of life, God is the finisher of life, and how dare us say abortion is a political issue. It is not a political issue. Now, it wages, the battle wages on the political front, that's why you need to vote. 
But abortion is a gospel, moral, spiritual issue. The same thing with marriage, human sexuality, gender, all these things. It belongs to God. And we as the church have really sat outside of it, and we let Caesar take what is God's, and we don't say a word. And we're like, no, 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 no more. Everything changes. Everything changes from this point forward. And so here, Miss Connie gets saved, Miss Norman gets saved, we get thrust into this limelight. Jason and I signed baseball scholarships to play at Liberty. We went and played at Liberty. I get drafted by the Red Sox. He got drafted in a later round for a lesser organization, the Baltimore Orioles. We went on and played several years, and, and I played with the St. Louis Cardinals, got traded to the Cardinals. And then we, we were minor league guys, and we didn't know where we wanted to live, but we fell in love with the Carolinas, so we relocated to Concord, North Carolina, just north up by the Speedway. And, uh, and we started a real estate company, and that company grew to 100 offices, 35 states. We're at the height of our business. Uh, TLC and HGTV come in, make us offers. We got a full reality show with HGTV. They had just signed Chip and Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper. So Chip calls me and says, oh my gosh, we just signed. We're doing a pilot. I said, well, that's great. You're doing a pilot. I got a six, six full one-hour episodes, no pilot, straight to series. I got a lot more money than you got, Chip. We start talking trash. Anyway, then... 2014, they start running commercials. We're uh, five weeks in. By the way, this is my wife, Lori, my daughter, Ella, and my son, Chase. These are two of my five children. Anyway, so I said, uh, we're five weeks into our 10-week film shoot, and I remember Lori's like, this is, this, there's a lot of cameras. This is just crazy. I just want to raise kids, you know. And so, anyway, when we're five weeks in, and I found myself at Fleming's Restaurant right down the road here, about to nail a bone-in filet. It was unreal. We're sitting there with the executive producer, and the executive producer says, guys, listen, your commercials are going. We announced your show at the Upfronts in New York City. We've got advertisers calling in. This thing is going to be huge. We just piloted Fixer Upper. The pilot was great. These two shows, Fixer, Fixer Upper and Flip It Forward, that was the name of our show. These shows are going to really, they're just going to be great on the network. So we were like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so exciting. And we had been really vocal about pro-life. We had started, well, it was called Cities for Life, but we merged it into Love Life. But we had started Love Life, and all these mothers are choosing life. And, and Jason and I are speaking and traveling, and we're also, you know, just very vocal about these things. And, uh, and the, the executive producer said, yeah, but we were in a meeting, and we noticed that on Instagram and on Twitter, you guys are very vocal about abortion. And so all of a sudden, I'm sitting back, you know, like my heart starts thumping a little bit, like, oh, crud, like, where's he going here? And they said, we, we, listen, most of us all believe like you guys do. We just don't talk about it. He said, so you're about to be known by millions of people, so would you guys tone it down? Now, I'll tell you this. I wanted to tone it down. I felt it in my heart. It was the fear of man and a man-pleasing spirit. I felt it. Who wants to lose a reality show? Who wants to be called a hater and a bigot and a whatever, a phobe? because I believe that the blessings of God are found within his boundaries, and that when you remove the boundaries of God, the blessings are replaced with burdens. That's not hateful or intolerant. We can talk about the blessed life all you want, but if we don't talk about the boundaries that we must live within to experience the blessed life, then we're not truly loving people. And so I thought, man, we're going to lose. We're going to lose this show. So anyway, we decided, no, we're, you know, we're not we're going to continue being biblical Christians, right? Hopefully loving people, speaking the truth in love and not backing down. And then right before our show aired in the fall of 14, we got the heave-ho. And I remember the general manager crying on the phone saying, I can't believe this is happening. 
to you guys. And the reason why is because the thought mafia had circled the wagons around the advertisers. How many of you know there's a thought mafia out there? You know, 20 years ago, you say that life begins at conception, or if you say that marriage is between a man and a woman, eh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. Today, it's like, get them out. Get out of here. You can't have a show. And so, Jason and I lost our show. And as a result of that, you know, we start traveling the country and speaking. And then we find ourselves continuing to grow and build our companies and continuing to write books and all these other things. But the number one initiative on our heart is Love Life because we see that there are holes in the ceiling. And while there are so many amazing things that we need to be doing as believers in Jesus Christ, there is only one place, one, in America where we know that between 8.30 a.m. and 1.30 p.m., 120 children will die and be dismembered every week, Monday through Friday. There's only one place that we know. Now, if that was happening at an elementary school, what would the Christians be doing? We would be running to the battle. If it was happening anywhere else, we would run to the battle because that's what's in us. But do we truly believe in life? Do we truly believe that the unborn are human beings? If so, then we've got to run to the scene. Now, what does that look like? Love life is patterned after four things. Hear, pray, go, and connect. It's rooted in Luke chapter 10 theology. We've already talked Luke 10. already given you my story, and now we're going to go right into love life and your call to action. Hear, pray, go, and connect. The first thing that we've got to do is we've got to hear the tragic truth of abortion. You heard it from your pastor. This is the three miles from here. A preferred women's health center is the busiest abortion facility in the southeast. It's busier than Miami and Atlanta. And Atlanta has 17 abortion facilities. We have over 800 churches surrounding this area. And it is a ditch where these babies, these mothers, These fathers are robbed, beaten, and left for dead, and many of them feel they have no other choice, and that is not our battle. That is our mission field. It is not a battle. Our battle is against the principalities, rulers, and authorities of darkness. This is not our battle. This is our mission. And if we're filled with compassion, we've now got to step into that, so we got to hear it. And this is what your your week, you adopted, First Baptist Charlotte adopted this week. So today is the hear component. This Wednesday is the pray component. We are going to pray and fast as a community. And it's not just your church. we got several other churches. Now, pre-COVID, we averaged 8 to 12 churches every single week that would adopt. We averaged three to 500 people that would gather on Saturday to pray with, pray with us. And then last year, we had thousands upon thousands in week number 40. It's a 40-week journey of hope. It's 40 weeks. Why 40 weeks? That's, the, that's uh, how long a baby is in the mother's womb, is 40 weeks. So your week is this week. So on Wednesday, we're going to pray. Mark 9, 29, Jesus says some of these can only come out by prayer and fasting. And now God wants us to pray. God wants us to fast together. And ask yourself, what is it that I can fast? What can I give up? I'm giving up food. Maybe you can give up food. Maybe you can give up social media. Whatever it is, make a sacrifice. Because when we turn off, you know, the, the noise of life, whether it's our, any kind of an appetite, when we turn that down, we turn up the sound of heaven. So we want to draw near to God, and you're going to be joining the folks in this church with other churches are going to be praying and fasting together. And how many of you know that that has power in the Spirit? That has power in the heavens. 
And then, so that's the pray. It's the hear, pray, and then the third part is the go part. This is where it gets a little messy for you, but it'll be nice and easy because we've made it very simple. You're going to go to a preferred women's health center at 9 a.m. It'll be from 9 to 10.30 a.m. We bought the property directly next door. You're not going to engage. You're not going to do any sidewalk counseling. There's no protesting, no demonstration, none of that stuff. All you're doing is coming there to gather with your church and a few other churches so that you can pray and sing praise and worship across the street. You're going to gather there at our facility directly next door. We're going to pray, worship, walk across the street, do some prayer right there, and then come right back. And the fourth component is you'll have an opportunity to connect. And what that is is basically saying we've got an entire life network. We have over 90 families in the Charlotte area that we have now partnered with the Department of Social Services for foster and adoption. DSS loves us. Is anybody going to talk about that in the news? Mm -mm. No, they're just a bunch of hateful Christian bigots and all this stuff. They don't talk about what we're doing in the trenches. But we got 90 families. We have over 300 mentor families that are saying that if a mother chooses life, we will come alongside. We will bring her into our home. Most of these mothers don't even need housing assistance because we have housing assistance ministries as well. We have pregnancy centers. We have mobile ultrasound units. We've got all of these things. It's holistic, just like Luke chapter 10. So at the end of the prayer walk, you'll have a chance to connect. So in your seats, I want you guys to go ahead. You don't have to focus on me now. In your seats, you've got cards. There are response cards. And uh, hopefully you have a pen. If you don't have a pen, you can download the Love Life app on the app store, and you can fill out a response card on the app. I'm going to draw this to a close by calling us to action. You know, when the, the, the lawyer in Luke chapter 10, when he responded, Jesus asked the question, who is the one that loves the neighbor? And he said, well, it was the man that it was the Samaritan. It was the man that got in the ditch. Jesus didn't just say, good, good job. You, you got it right, right? You, you have a knowledge of the truth. He didn't say that. What did he say? At the very end, what did Jesus say? He didn't even congratulate him. He said, go and do likewise. In other words, he gave a command. Right now, look, we know abortion is wrong. We know what we're supposed to do. We know these mothers need help. Let me pause. And if you've had an abortion or have been a part of one, there is healing and hope in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but you've got to take it to the Lord. You've got to confess it and get it right before Him. So I want you to know there's healing and hope in Christ. And we have an entire ministry that we've partnered with, Surrendering the Secret and other ministries, for those that have found themselves in the midst of an abortion or have been part of an abortion. There is healing in Christ, and then you can become a Navy SEAL in this movement. You can say, I've been a part of it, and I've got healing, and let me help you through this. You can be a part of this. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus says, go and do likewise. So you have a chance to respond. I want you to fill, the, fill that card out or go on the app, Love Life uh, app, and fill this card out. And here's what you're doing. You're making a commitment to say, I'm going to pray and fast on Wednesday. I mean, I don't even want to see a show of hands. Oftentimes, and I know it in my own life, I just consume, 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 consume. I consume really good teaching. I consume a lot of stuff, but I'm rarely finding myself sacrificing something for my faith. Let's, sac- let's make the sacrifice together on Wednesday, guys. Let's do this together. Pray and fast together. And then 
on Saturday. It's almost like you're opening up your home to the workers to come and fix the hole. It's going to get a little bit messy. It's inconvenient. It's the same way as the man traveling on his journey. He stopped, and let's give an hour and a half from 9 to 10.30. Now, the pastor is going to be having a, you can meet here. They're going to leave at 8.30, or you can just Google the address, a preferred women's health center. I mean, I think it's on, the, the, you'll be getting an email throughout the week. So we've got an entire email campaign that will help you as you're filling out your card, putting your email in there. We will give you, we'll be giving you prayer points and all these things throughout the week. So there's no heavy lifting on part of the church. But this, is a, this Saturday is an opportunity for you to come and join other Christians to pray and to worship. And then at the end of that to see how you can connect. So if you guys will all stand with me, if, if you're going to go ahead and hit those keys, you'll stand with me. This is our response time. I'm going to pray. But before I pray, if you filled out your card and you are willing to say, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, hole in the ceiling, ditch across the street. I'm going to pray and fast on Wednesday. Then on Saturday, I'm going to go out. I might not even have a heart of compassion. God, I ask you, break my heart with what breaks yours. If you're willing to do that, I want you to come forward, place your card here at the altar. I know that we're socially distancing and all that stuff. If you want to stay at the altar, you're welcome to. Who's going to be my first one? Come on, let's go. If we've got to be bold, this is, there you go. I love it. Come on, let's get going. Good. Praise God. If you want to stay at the altar, you can. If you want to go back, you can. Whatever it is that God leads you to do, I love it. I see the families coming. Listen, I'll tell you something, mom and dad. You want your children and your grandchildren to be courageous Christians? They need to see it in you first. I was raised watching my dad, watching my dad sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Praise God. For those of you that are watching online, go ahead, fill the app out, lovelife.org. Go to the app store, fill it out. Make a commitment right there. As all of these are committing, praise the Lord. If God is stirring your heart, come on. We have an opportunity. Opportunity to actually live out the theology of Scripture. We don't have to just sit back and watch news and get angry and upset anymore. We can say, I'm going to step in. And guess what happens? When we step in and we begin to operate with compassion and heal the brokenness in our city, we don't have time to get all frustrated and upset about everything else that's wrong because we're too busy doing good. Too busy doing good. I'm going to finish with a statement out of Isaiah chapter 1. And the prophet Isaiah, thank you, buddy. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel, and he's talking to the people of God. And in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah says this. God, speaking through Isaiah, says this. This is a hard message. It's not popular, but it's true. Isaiah, God speaks through Isaiah and says, you have your solemn assemblies. You have your services, your festivals, all of your teachings, and all of your prayers. And yet I hear none of them. Your hands are covered with blood. And I believe what we're witnessing and experiencing in America today is a direct result of innocent blood that's been shed in our country. And then, but Isaiah doesn't stop there. God doesn't stop with Isaiah there. He gives him hope. He says, later on, 
in Isaiah. He says, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness, you'll find strength. This is a very quiet, loving way to engage the darkness in prayer and fasting on Wednesday and in a loving demonstration of prayer and worship, praise and worship on Saturday together with other saints. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor. But I just thank you guys. Thank you for the cards up here. If you didn't bring a card up here and you know, you feel your heart beating or maybe you're getting a little sweaty, I know the feeling. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. Don't, don't shut the Holy Spirit down. You can still join the prayer and fasting. You can still come on Saturday. But let's do this together, guys. This is our moment. This is no mistake that we are alive in this moment in history. The baton's in our hands, and let's run well. Let's patch that ceiling and get into the ditch. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you. And I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for First Baptist Charlotte. I thank you for these families, Lord, these businesses represented, these kids that are in here. And, Lord, I pray that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, would be a loving example of how to love our neighbor as ourselves in this context of abortion. We ask for your strength, we ask for your compassion, and we ask for your favor and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us for worship today. Hey, we would love to talk to you about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've not made that decision, or if you're not sure, we would love to visit with you about that. Here on the screen, there's a number. If you'll text the word Jesus to, one of our ministry team members is, is ready to talk with you. If you'll text that number, they'll reach out to you, call you right back, and have a conversation with you about how Jesus came to save you and how you can know that you know him for sure. We would love to visit with you. If there's any way we can pray for you this morning, we want you to text as well. If you'll text the word pray to that same number, we would love to pray with you and pray for you today, or at least know how we can be praying for you. Church family, and for those of you that have been watching with us for some time, if you're at a place in point in, in your relationship with our church that you're ready to, to become a member and to join, you could text the word join to this number. It'll connect us with one of our ministers and we'll follow up with you this week about what it means to be a member of First Charlotte and, and walking through that process. I'm glad you joined us for worship today. Can't wait to see you face to face. But in the meantime, we're glad you've joined us. We're glad you're here. We're praying for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.